Father in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity to come before your throne of grace. Lord, we thank you for your grace. It's something that we just can't thank you enough for because it has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with you for our benefit. So we thank you for it, Lord, and we bless you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Praise God. So we're going to talk about spiritual truths today, amen. There's some spiritual truths that um, we are, are um, uh, we have the privilege of believing and walking in, um, and, and it's a great thing for us because once we were separated from God and lost in our own sin, didn't really know what was going on, but then God found us, loved us, paid the price for us to become his. The good thing about God is that it's a permanent relationship. Amen. It's something you can count on all the time. And that's not true about many things in life. Because most of the things that we need and desire are temporal things. They're tied to the earth. What God has is eternal. And there is a difference, and, and there is where you have to make a decision uh, for what God requires. Is it worth it to me or not? And so when you think about the fact that everything that God does lasts forever, it's mean to last forever, it's mean to go down, go on forever, uh, you, you can readily see where it is worth it, but in, in everyday living, you might have your doubts from time to time. Amen. It's just true, and and because some things will 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 be required that we don't understand. There will be some things that we'll be called to endure that we don't understand. You know, Lord, this isn't this isn't what your word promises me. Well, yes, it is because He said in the world you'll have trouble, so you're still in the world, Amen. So this is a promise as well. You don't like it, He doesn't either. It's something that will be overcome. By your faith. And that's why he gives us faith. Because there are certain things that, that are eternally planned for us that we're going to walk in anyway. And sometimes you have to get a, a, a bit down the road to begin to understand that. That there are things that are your decision, other people's decisions, decisions that affect your life. Some things are God's decision. Some things God must permit because of circumstances. Some things that he can put a stop to because of his sovereignty. Uh, but according to Romans 8.38, it works to our good. So it'll, it'll eventually be all good. And that's the eternal part of it, that it, it's got to be good. You know, God will make it good. He'll make good on what he promises you. He'll make your outcome good. He'll make it somehow it will be good and, and worth it or or not worth it becomes a side issue after you see what God does with it. See, he works it out <clears throat> for our good. So uh, the spiritual truths we're going to talk about today are the things that are true. Amen. So there's a I made a, a short list of some things I felt were essential to understand that are truth and uh, how important it is for us to believe these things and and. Um, uh, give your all to believing them because they'll work out for you and they'll work to your good. Philippians 4, 8 tells us, says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, 
whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, are of good report. If there's any virtue in every any praise, think on those things. So the apostle gives us a key to maintaining God's peace in our life. Once you have God's peace, you have his presence. Amen. Uh, it's it's hard to get into the fruit of the spirit without being in the presence of God. And so I look at God's spirit as as being a a place of um, a repository for all good things. Uh, there's a tree of life in God's presence and the fruit of the spirit. You just reach up and pick what you have a taste for or pick what you need or pick what you feel you're lacking in your life, and you partake of that. And so the apostle here is trying to tell us how to keep peace in our lives, how to keep your soul from wandering and keep it from from uh, wavering uh, and, and disturbing your peace. Your spirit always contains God's truth in his word. Uh, it's your soul that gets disturbed. Your soul is subject to change. It's his, you know, his focus. If you live in the mind of Christ through a renewed mind, then you focus on things that are good, pure, lovely, and of good report. But if turmoil comes and then you get fearful for yourself, your mind will wander and begin to stir up dark, dark things, dark forces. You get doubt in there. You get um, fear. You get panic. Then you start to figure out, try to figure out how I'm going to get this resolved and what how, what am I going to do. And you can spend a lot of time stumbling around in darkness. So the apostle gives you a remedy for that. He said, instead of thinking about what's what's the problem and try to resolve it yourself, think like this. Think on truth, goodness. What What's a good report? Think about if, say, for instance, if you have an emergency, financial emergency, think of the last time God came through for you when you needed finances. Amen. That's true. That's a good report. See what I'm saying? And so he says that, 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 that your life will be focused on maintaining the peace of God at all times, not maintaining material things, not maintaining certain uh, relationships being right or relationships being in your life or any of that stuff but it's centered around maintaining the peace of God that, that's what you need most because when you're at peace in your soul and you have the peace of God you're he's you're handy for him to give you your answers see it's a quick thing for God to deposit an answer in your soul when you have his peace amen and don't be afraid of facts and truth we're going to talk about that in a little bit defining what truth is don't be afraid of truth and don't be afraid of facts my thought is this if you adopt truth and not let it go then facts will be a non-factor to you you got me what is truth about your your health condition? You're healed. Facts are you've got a diagnosis, you've got symptoms, you've got. So see if you adopt truth, 
that overrides facts. Facts aren't even, you know, the facts get subordinate to truth. Because truth is the highest attainment that we can have. So what is true? It means to be consistent, to be true. Now, this is talking about human character also. So when you talk about somebody being faithful and true, that person is consistent. And truth really means to be consistent with reality or fact. Now, when we talk about fact, we know there are two kingdoms that collect data. The kingdom of God has data already collected that doesn't change. So when you talk about facts in God, those are the sometimes intangible, immovable, but no less real facts, the invisible facts. True, the facts in the in the realm of the world are uh it refers to data that is subject to change. Amen. Uh, there's no cure for COVID. That's not true. There is. People are taking it every day. So those facts are subject to change. Sometimes facts really are subject to interpretation. They're relative. They're variable. But that will change at some point. That That germ will either go away and not bother people anymore. And the fact is it's not a threat anymore or somebody will find what they call a cure. There are very few flu vaccines that work, folks, and very few are ever developed because of the nature of a virus. But but that's a different story. But those facts will change. That's why many times people will say things like, uh, we're going to get beyond this. This will go away because it always does. Amen. Things like this run their course, and then they're over. But in the meantime, they're causing people to change the way they think, the way they live, to change their habits. But the truth that you're healed never changes. And really, that's what the enemy is trying to change. He's trying to get you to change your mind about whether or not you're healed. You can't get disease unless you get let him give it to you. You're the one in authority. Amen. I give you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions over all the works of the enemy. And nothing shall in any way harm you. Amen. There's no harm to the child of God. Amen. To be true means to be conforming exactly to rule. It conforms exactly to rule. In other words, Rona got to leave you alone because the rule is none of the diseases that I put on the Egyptians will I put on you because I am the God who heals you. Amen. So that that sickness, illness, bug will conform exactly to God's rule. You won't get a little sick. You won't get a little bit. You won't get a touch of this and a touch of that. You ain't getting touched. Touch me not. Amen. Amen. It means to conform, we said, exactly to a rule, a standard, or a pattern. Amen. That means that's the definition of truth. Truth conforms exactly to a rule, a standard, or a pattern. 
people didn't realize that when you went so far up in in space you lost uh you lost the pull of gravity that's why they float around up there in the astronaut capsules they didn't understand also that when you got to zero atmospheres of pressure everything turns into a gas now my 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 recollection from <laughs> science <clears throat> i went to school was that some of the first space capsules that they they sent up they sent of course primates into them monkeys and they would come back some of them when they if they were had an ability to check vital signs and stuff like that and they found vital signs failing they would try to reverse that but scientists have long known that if anything when you get far enough into space your body vaporizes it is turned into a gas and they say there's been some little empty space suits come back where they know that really happens amen so if it's science it will be verified if it's true amen so conforming to standards of truth means that when you hit a point of zero uh, uh gravity then everything vaporizes because it's not attached to earth anymore it's subject to the elements of outer space that's why god said when he told men he said i give you dominion over the earth not the sky i mean it's it's worth gotta come on now people thought the earth was flat for a long time they had to experiment and find out instead of reading the bible i'm sure there's some bible readers that told them it wasn't flat but they didn't believe them so they had to go far as they could and find they didn't fall off anymore so it says also to be reliable truth means to be reliable or accurate whatever is true is reliable god's word is reliable and it's accurate that means when god promises you a mountain to move if you speak to it he's not exaggerating it means genuine or real faithful loyal honorable upright fundamental essential god's word is essential amen it means legitimate and rightful it means shaped or fitted accurately means to be precise unswerving and sincere amen you know there's some theologians who who when they see the writings of jesus they'll say oh he often spoke in hyperbole well tell me this if you got a tumor you better try if you've never tried talking to it i just you know try encourage you to talk to that thing and see if moving a mountain is hyperbole or not see that's for them almost not born again people they're not spirit filled they don't have you know access to a, a depth of revelation that you get when your spirit man is filled if your spirit isn't filled with the spirit of god there's some some missing stuff there and what happens when we have stuff missing we fill in the blanks yeah yeah we fill in the blanks so that's where human reasoning comes in 
it's it's scattered throughout our theology and throughout our teachings, our traditions of the church. Anything people don't see with their carnal eyes, they say it doesn't happen anymore. You've never seen a healing. Just because you ain't seen it, you ain't seen Mars either, but you believe that's up there. You ain't seen heaven either, but you believe you're going to go. Huh? And so when we, we think about it, there are some things that are just true, period, and cannot be argued with. So what do you do when you run into truth? You accept it. You embrace it. You don't question it. You let it work for you. You make truth your friend. Amen? So it means to be unswerving. God's word does not swerve. It doesn't have to take any twists and turns and adjust itself according to the the, the uh, age in which we live. Amen. You know, people say things like, "In the year 2020, people still think like that." Yeah, I still think like God. I belong to Him. I'm not going to change. They want you to change what you think about sin and righteousness. They want to change what you think about your purpose on earth. You know, you can live any kind of way you want to and do what you want to do. And there's enough people living like that, folks. Somebody got to live for God. You know, you can call me old-fashioned. I don't care what you call me. Amen? You don't have to call me. Well, just don't call me late to dinner. That's all. Yep. Yeah. But you know what I mean. This word is true. I don't care what age you live in. I don't care what you haven't seen, what you think doesn't exist any, what you think went out with the apostles. Well, it must be in because there's apostles running around now. Always have been. So you telling me it don't never go out, right? Amen. That's because you ain't seen it. <laughs> How'd you get saved if you didn't believe in healing? If you saved, you healed. You heal from sin. We hope. <laughs> you understand? Well, you you have every potential to not sin if you belong to God. Truth number one, God wants us all well. Exodus 15. In 22, it says, Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out to the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now, they didn't just go waterless. I'm sure they had, you know, canteens or skins or whatever they put the water in. But after three days, you know you got to have some replenishment. Three is always a light, I call it lightweight testing. Forty is the real test, but we ain't going to go there with them about that. But three is is a testing time, you know, a time. Uh, uh, um, Lillian Yeomans uh, used that as a principle. When she would bring people in for healing, she'd have people come. They drive people to her house in the ambulance. She didn't care if you was at death's door. You were never too sick for the word to work. 
because she felt like the minute she got you under the word your healing started and it continued amen without fail and so within three days everybody that came in there was healed walked out healed if it took any longer they just labored with them a little bit longer until they meditated on the word enough where it began to take root and you can see that yourself when you when the word is preached anywhere you'll notice sometimes people will come in looking all downtrodden now if they'll if they'll put their minds away from how they feel and start listening got to get their attention with this but if they will listen you will notice a change in their countenance you will notice a change in there that word begins to enlighten them and lift whatever it is that's oppressing them begins to deliver them you can see it before your very eyes many times you'll see it when you pray for people at the altar you know people will say well i feel better well you've been delivered you understand what i'm saying i mean that that's a human way of expressing it but the holy spirit has actually done a work in that person by the word amen and if you'll stay in the word he'll keep working amen keep working that's what you want is the the continual work of the word in your life and so he said here the water was bitter after three days they found no water and three days you start to get nervous amen and when they came to mara they could not drink the waters of mara for they were bitter so it appears that there was a three days journey for which they knew they would get to a source of water amen so three days in and they look and they see that there's water there but it's what they call bitter poison or there might have been a, a dead animal that fell in it or there are lots of ways that that water got contaminated so the water wasn't fit to drink sometimes you can get around it and smell it and you can see that it smells unfit to drink so here we have the first water purification plant ever known to man there's another instance where people don't understand something the bible can give you insight people have fought over wells because you have a, a, a underground source of continual water but nobody ever thought could we ever take this water that's been used and used it over again that's what we do big cities we have filtration plants where they put that same water that you just flush down the toilet it's chemically purified and then they sell it back to you a dollar a bottle or a dollar and a half and the same stuff you're getting out your tap that's what they put in there you're paying for the bottle it would be smart just keep your bottle and go to your sink and <laughs> that water coming out of my sink ain't no good you bathe in it you brush your teeth in it you cook your food with it you do everything with it whatsoever things are true that's what we're talking about today truth i was in a i forget where i was like walmart or something i heard uh 
two parents, you know, that had a teenage daughter. She's going away to school. And she was arguing with them. The dad said, you don't need to buy water. Oh, daddy, that water is just so gross. It's horrible. It, it, it. By the time she got finished working with him with that evil report, he looked at her and said, go ahead and get that water. I said, hold your ground, dad. Stand your ground. You'll be worth it one day. <laughs> People believe lies. Hello. <laughs> Now they get a problem. What are they going to do with all them plastic bottles? Nobody's, people don't even speak up on that. They're not offering a solution. They're not trying to do anything. Shows you some of the people that make laws aren't that smart. <laughs> so the water, they couldn't drink it or bitter. Therefore, it was called Mara. And the people murmured against Moses saying what are we going to drink that ain't all they said when you murmur you say a whole lot more says, oh no good Moses I told you you know where he did that man you know how old Moses is girl he he a murderer he killed somebody they got us out here maybe gonna kill everybody you got people out here waiting so anyway, they murmur against Moses. God rescues them anyway. And so Moses heard them, and he cried unto the Lord. And the Lord showed him a tree, which he had cast into the waters. The waters were made sweet. So one minute they poisoned you, the next minute it's all good. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them. He tested them. Amen? He tested them. And he said this, from this day forward, no more complaining. From this day forward, cut it out. From this day forward, know henceforth and forever that I'm going to take care of you. This was true before. From the day that he brought them out, well, even before he brought them out, he's the God that takes care of them, period. He just made it plain to them, wrote it out for them, and told them, this is an ordinance for you for the rest of your life. I will not give you disease. You mean we could have drank that stank water and lived? Uh Uh-huh. Pastor Bart, don't be saying that. You don't know all the bugs that you don't know God. See, there it is black and white. What he say? He said, I'm not killing you. That water ain't going to hurt you. But just to prove you I'm a merciful God, I'm going to make it sweet for you anyway. So drink it. In other words, I ain't sending you no new water. You ain't getting no uh, aqua fresh truck backed up out here. Bringing you nice bottled water like you want. I'm going to show you I can work with whatever I put before you and make it work for you. Now that's a whole lot more powerful than saying that's no good and we run off and leave it. 
and then he give us something better and we're gonna like that better you'll lie you won't you're gonna complain about whatever he sends you because you just in a complaining mood you ever been like that no matter what somebody says to you you hold on to it because you got a right to be angry you got a right to be upset see god could have said well just go around the corner a few more paces i got fresh water for you said no i'm gonna fix this one for you i'm gonna show you i'm a god i fix stuff i don't have to discard nothing and start over again i'll discard you and start over again huh that's good news god you mean you can clean stuff up and we don't have to throw it away yes he can However he chooses to do it, it's all good. So he says, I'll make you an ordinance. So I'm going to tell you something. He says, if y'all hadn't complained when you first got up here, that water would have been all right anyway. (laughs) You contaminated it with your thoughts and your words. Oh, (laughs) yeah, right. I'm going to tell you how you can make everything in your life sweet. He said, if you will diligently. Whoo, what's that mean? That means every day, all the time, don't ever stop. Every day, all the time, don't ever stop. Every day, all the time, don't ever stop. See, this is for true people, consistent people. You want truth, you got to be true. Truth settles in on you better when you're easy to embrace it and adopt it and operate in it. You get more. If you got a little bit what you seem to have be taken away from you because you don't really value it. So what God is saying here, if you value my word... If you diligently listen to me and do what I tell you to do without fail. He says, I won't put any disease upon you that I brought upon the Egyptians. I am the Lord that heals you. So he gives you a twofold promise. Number one, if you now now in this is this dispensation, they there. They had the Ten Commandments back there. They had a lot of rules to live by but they still had a day of atonement they could still repent get the slate wiped clean and and consider themselves to be be healed so now we have the love walk if you walk in love with all men if you got anything against somebody you have to really forgive and and if possible go make it right with that person Especially if it's somebody that that you know, that you usually have a a peaceful relationship with, you usually have fellowship with. You you have to go to that person and say, you know what, I'm sorry, I've been been not judging you right. I I misunderstood you or I misjudged you or, or, you know, whatever, whatever. You know, I might have said something wrong or something sharp or whatever. You go and apologize and make that right. Always be quick to, quick to repent, quick to forgive. And quick to walk back in love. Don't try to hide how you feel. That's so juvenile. That's so, that's so sinner. You know what I'm saying? Sinners have to pretend they feel a certain way about people when they really don't. Cause they don't have the power of the blood working to cleanse them. 
You don't have to carry all that baggage around and make believe and all that. You have the atonement to take that burden away from you. So then you have the right then to expect to walk in divine health, to expect to never be sick. Yeah, I said it, never be sick. Why would you use your faith for sickness? You have a right to never be sick. Well, you know, I had so-and-so and so. Well, it's a new day now. From this day forward, I'm never sick, okay? Just do it that way. Forget about what's, come on now. Everybody got a past. But you don't camp and live there. Amen? So you got twofold. You have the right to walk in divine health. That means to never be sick. But if sickness comes upon you, he's still the Lord that heals you. Don't condemn yourself because of symptoms. He's the Lord that heals you. Amen? And so he, he says they, they, then they came to a place where guess what? Everybody, every tribe had their own well of water. So when you overcome that weakness in your flesh, in your conversation, in your thinking, their, their thinking was weak. They could only trust God for three days. And so they were tested there to see if they would petition God to remedy that need or if they would continue to murmur and complain. And so God tried them. And they decided when they murmured and complained, Moses, their leader, went to God on their behalf. This happens a lot when you got people that don't know God. You got immature Christians, new Christians. You got old Christians that think they know everything. You still have to enter as a leader. You have to intercede for people. You have to go to God on their behalf. God, what do I, what do I teach the people? What do I serve them? How, how do I minister to their needs? What do I do? You'll always have to do that as a leader. So Moses does what he does. They get their water straightened out. God gives them a statute and an ordinance, and people, again, follow the leader. Their following is a sign that they trust God, and they're going on in faith, and it's all right with God. We receive that word. We embrace it. We're not afraid of poison water anymore. We're not afraid of dying out here anymore. We trust you, God. Then God rewards them with what? Verse 27, he said, and they came to Elim, where there were 12 wells of water, palm trees, and everything. See, God only had that bitter water there to test them to see if they would rely on him to go to the next step. That's as far as God takes you to the next step, folks. You're not going to get set for life off of one prayer. I don't know anybody crazy enough to, like my husband used to say, I ain't giving nobody all my money. And my eyes lit up. I said, ooh, there's more somewhere. I got to find out where that is. <laughs> call me silly. <laughs> Whatever. Just don't call call me late to dinner. Come on, Cloretta. You got to give me a little ba-dum-bum over there. Ba-dum-bum. Thank you. Whatever. So anyway. God, when you test it, you get increase. That's God's law, too. Wherever you're tested, you get increase. You pass the test. 
you, that's what we're in now. The whole earth is under a test, folks. The whole earth is under a test. To see if we'll hold on to God's word or to see if we'll get frightened and quit, if we'll go the way of the world. And then some of us just graduate and go home to be with the Lord. You understand what I'm saying? You you choose many times. It's not like when you're saying to God, your departure catches you unaware. God prepares his people. Amen? So, God wants us all well. According that that's one. We have a statute and an ordinance. If we walk in love, quick to repent, quick to forgive, quick to love. You know, somebody that's hard to love, find yourself repenting, confessing, asking forgiveness, and then do something gracious to them. You know, afford them something, something that's a blessing in their lives. Amen. It doesn't have to be monetary. It just can be that you consider their feelings sometimes. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, so that's one one statute. And then the other one, it has to do with the atonement of a price having been paid for all healing, Isaiah 53, 4, where it says, himself took our sicknesses, carried away our sorrows. Amen. So they are no longer your responsibility. Healing is no longer your responsibility outside of believing. That doesn't, you know, you don't do everything, go three days doing everything right and thinks you're entitled to be healed. You're healed by virtue of the atonement. Isaiah 53 is what allowed Exodus 15:24 to be uh, afforded to you. The lamb was slain from the foundation of the earth. So that bloodshed has already been shed. It was just acted out at Calvary. It was demonstrated for all to see. Why did it have to be demonstrated? Because Satan was actually the god of this world. He was running everything through man's faith in him, in what he could see, in his cravings, his appetites, his desires. And so in order for Jesus to claim everything he had to demonstrate to humanity he himself took their sicknesses so he walked about the bible says how god anointed jesus of nazareth with the holy ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all who was oppressed of the devil because god was with him so he demonstrated that himself was taking our sickness away from us amen and then he anointed the 12 and the 70 to do the same thing because it was always delegated to believers to do the same thing. So his ministry was always himself first and then delegated power to other believers, people who believe and disciple, understand and learn, all that kind of stuff. And so he demonstrated it there. But at Calvary, he demonstrated taking on himself as an innocent man, punishment to pay for our sins. So once that punishment was paid and the blood was shed, 
these things had to be acted out. Heaven and earth had to record that those things were really done. The Bible also says in, in Isaiah 53, it says, but we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. We saw him get, get, get beat up, but it wasn't for anything he did. And it straightens that out really quickly. It says, but he was wounded for our transgressions and bruised. He, he took that for us. He didn't deserve that. He never sinned. He didn't do anything wrong. They never found him guilty of anything. So he took it on himself on our behalf. And that had to be demonstrated. Then when he went down to hell, the Bible says he spoiled principalities and powers. So while he walked on earth, man had evidence of the atonement and what he was doing. They recognized, even the Roman centurion said, this certainly was the son of God. How he got that, he just studied and looked and then God revealed it to him. That's my son. So he had evidence. After that, he had to show the devil that he wasn't the God of this world anymore. He went down and took, stripped him of the keys of death and hell. He preached the people down there and dragged them out of there. The graves of the saints opened up and they walked out full of life. Because they were in him all the time. Wherever he went, they went. (laughs) When he rose, they rose. So these things had to be demonstrated. You just can't say it. Jesus is this and God's that and all this. this is, there's got to be comfort confirms his word with signs following. So there has to be seen, noted evidence of these truths. So God's word is true. So he wants everybody well because all who believe can receive health and healing. Jesus demonstrated that every time he went out. Amen. God's intent in redemption was to redeem the whole person. When you're born again, your spirit man gets a new birth. But he also wants your body healed and your soul straightened out. You know, he doesn't want us thinking like sinners anymore. Tell you, it's easy. I mean, he just trying to kill the thief in us i was kind of shocked i was pleading with god about my air conditioner and i just forgot you ain't forgot you thought you were getting something for free <laughs> you know what i'm saying huh it's a slip but god's so merciful amen he rescued me anyway now i'm wrestling the devil for my two hundred dollars i paid to get that charge put in my (laughs) i don't want to pay it devil (laughs) jesus made provision for all of our needs calvary broke the curse amen the demonstration of his death on the tree redeemed us from the curse of the law in other words, under the Old Testament, they broke the law. They, them people had a terrible time. You understand what I'm saying? They go into captivity. Some some tribe that they was, you know, antagonistic toward would show up one day 
and everybody either get killed or get carried off. I mean, it was terrible because they had ample time to repent. They had ample time to bring those sacrifices and those offerings to the priest. Now, talk about somebody who who was dependent on people's obedience. That was the Old Testament priest. If people just decided they didn't want to give and they quit giving, quit bringing animal sacrifices to atone for their sin, you were just out. So then you have a bunch of priests wandering around with, well, you know, what kind of job can you, what's your resume look like? Priest of the Most High God, let me see your outfit. Oh, no, you can't wear that around here. All that stuff. You understand? You can't go too far. Huh? But God's mercy, you know, most of us keep a, a day job. You know, you find some some people that just think people are supposed to take care of them, but they've always felt like that. You know, you go find some of these ministers that my people don't give enough. And you know, you look at their mama stand up there and look, he's been like that all his life, girl. He's just like, you can know, check with the mama and see what, you know, is this real or is this something? You, you need faith, brother. And God takes care of you. People don't take care of you. Amen. That might be the avenue. And some of them, God will keep you on a job for a long time. Amen. And some of me tells you to let it go and you want to keep that job. You guys, so we got all kinds of little variations of this story. But but Christ, Galatians Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. You're, you are purchased out of that power. Now, see, people think when you don't get some... I, it's the curse. That ain't the curse. There's no curse on the new covenant. Are you born again? Then those no. This, you just ain't getting what you want. Don't mix that up with the curse, because I show you what the curse is. Huh? Let us stroll back into the the uh, the major prophets in the Old Testament. I show you what the curse is. Amen. Go back as far as Joshua when they had their first battles. You know, uh, Jericho was cool. And then the next battle they had, they they ran, you know, had to leave running. Huh? That's the curse. Because there was somebody in the camp with sin. You mean one person could sin and everybody? Yep. Thank God we got a better covenant based on better promises. You speak for you and I speak for me. Huh? Said so no longer will the father eat a grape and the kid's teeth get set on edge. Everybody get to know God for themselves. Amen. Amen. Man. No curse on the new covenant. You shouldn't even be so quick to use that word. Even on people that aren't saved. Huh? Because they can ride on your intercession for a long time. <laughs> kind of curse is that most of them be dead the way people live now all this fornicating homosexuality and you know adulterers running around you kidding me the pharisees were shocked they wanted jesus to to let them hit that lady upside the head with a boulder and kill her because religious people are quick to kill everybody 
They just look for an excuse. <laughs> Making up all their own rules. But Jesus had a, 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 a ministry of a new covenant. Shed blood. The benefits of it were afforded to all who believed in him. When you believe in him, you believe in everything he stands for. So when they would come up and ask Jesus for healing and ask in faith, he released it to them. Because that's what righteousness is. It's believing in God. Have faith in God. And so righteousness was afforded those people the chance to repent and their faith be good for that thing they were expecting God to do for them. Tell me that's a curse. That's so far from it. So Jesus demonstrated that when you believe on me, the curse is broken. He went through redeeming people from the curse of the law and everything that he did. He had to demonstrate the kingdom. The kingdom is life in the new covenant. So he made provision for all of us, all of our needs. Calvary broke the curse of death, sickness, and poverty. The second death, amen. Third John 2 is another truth. God wishes above all things, all things, all things. Oh, that's hyperbole. Well, you can hyper whatever you think it is. You better find out what a word means before you start slinging it around. He said, beloved, dearly beloved, it's marriage talk. I like that. I like the sound of it. That's me. Amen. He says, I wish above all things that you may prosper ooh, and be in health even as your soul prospers. Okay. What's that mean? Well, really what it means is that as you walk in the renewed mind of Christ, you can take on the things that your mind conceives of. See, if your soul prospers, say for instance, I I want to bless I want to bless someone with something. Say I want to bless Miss Nola with with something. And her soul is expecting good. She'll receive what I give her as good. But if if she's one of these people that not expecting anything or nothing's ever good enough, if I can give her the most expensive best something and she'll think it's trash. See, your soul has to prosper. See, your soul has to expect good at all times in order to, for you to receive from God. And see, we've all known people like that, haven't don't we? Oh, don't give my mother nothing. She don't like nothing you get her. I'm telling you, wasting your money and your time. Uh-huh. And so many people live in a place where their souls are are condemned. Their souls are uh, dead. They they think dark thoughts. It'll never happen. You know, the doom and gloom people. 
Nothing ever works out for me. It, you know, some people get that, but I just don't. I don't know why. I don't know what it is about me. I do, but we won't go there. You understand what I'm saying? Some people, you know, you waste your time trying to help them too. To expect better, to expect because see, you got to get in here in order for it to be real. You just can't sit around and have happy thoughts and think God is in that and gonna bless you. You have to get your mind renewed to the word. You got to know that you're somebody who's worth blessing before you can get blessed. And it's not your worth. He made you worthy. It's because of what he did for you that you can expect blessing and you're worth blessing. Amen. So so he redeemed us from the curse of the law. Above all God, things, God wants us to prosper and be in health as our souls prosper. Amen. So. Health and wealth are buddies. They're partners. They're a package deal. They've been since from from the beginning. The Bible says he brought them forth with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble person. They got healed on that Passover meal. You can't tell me everybody that ate that meal was healthy before they ate it. Now, the Bible doesn't say they were, but it doesn't say they weren't. But if you look at what the Passover does for us, that atoning blood is what paid for our healing. So I can imagine that there were some people that were feeble on crutches. And after they partook of that Passover meal, they let them crutches go. And they got up off the table healed and said it was not one feeble person. That means nobody was slow. Nobody had had shortness of breath when they walked. Amen. Nobody was was falling down and, and, and everybody walked into the promise on their own power. He renews and restores us. Man, if we could preach healing when people get saved, that would really be, you know. (laughs) Need to anyway. Amen. Number three, healing is a gift to the church. The world don't have this. People try to get smart. The devil can heal. Which devil you know? You give me his address. (laughs) I'll go and sue him for fraud. Because my Bible says that he himself took our infirmity. He he delegated that authority and that power to his bride. Amen? 1 Corinthians 12. devil ain't gonna heal nobody honey he he don't have a nice bone in his body first corinthians 12 and verse 9 he says there uh verse concerning spiritual gifts that's 12 verse 1 says i don't want you to be ignorant and so why did he say that because they were ignorant Just like many people in the body of Christ today. Uh, 
I have the gift of this and the gift of that. Well, where is it? Amen. Keep living for God. It'll show up eventually, I guess. I don't know. But he says here, you know that there were Gentiles. You were at one time, you were Gentiles carried away into dumb idols. Amen. Wherefore, I give you under, to understand no man speaks by the spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. You know, I guess some people were doing that. You can't do that by the Holy Ghost. He says there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. So the Holy Spirit is in charge of holy gifts, but they're different ones. So they're not one gift better than another, one gift. See, this is where people's flesh gets involved and gets this kind of little messed up. You can tell it's people because it depends on who you are, where you are, and who you're talking about, what's the most important gift people like. You know, for some reason, it's never been healing. Think about it. It, The gifts that people go crazy over are the ones that are easily imitated or made up or manufactured. See, a healing can't be made up. That's a genuine deal. That's why... The Bible says these signs will follow those who believe. They'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. See, if if you only just pray in tongues and you think you're casting out devils, where's your healing gift if God's anointed you? See, there are more sick people than there are possessed people. You got me? Because everybody's subject to sickness at some time or another. So that's a gift that should flow freely throughout the church. But it's one that we often seldom see. Prophecy is another one. I don't know if you're telling the truth or not till it comes to pass. Amen? Now, you can be speaking from the spirit, but is that the spirit of prophecy? You understand? That has a different unction on it for people. See, people who are not prophets don't know this. See, that's why prophets look mean all the time to people you better not huh i bite your face come up here with that <laughs> it's called discernment <laughs> but you know what i'm saying i don't care how much you shake and quake when the spirit come on you and all that that don't have to be god you understand what i'm saying so a lot of times vocal gifts can be manufactured, made to sound like. Huh? See, false prophets don't last very long. True prophets get scared sometimes and quit. You understand what I'm saying? But false ones don't last very long. Because at some point, that stuff catches up with you. And people realize you don't know what you're talking about. And they'll say, oh boy, it ain't come again, boy. You understand what I'm saying? And so we have to be careful that, number one, we have to respect God and you have to respect people. If you respect God and you respect people, you don't want to tell the people anything that God doesn't want you to tell them. And sometimes even when you know what God would say to them, you have to handle it with 
know, God, is this the time you want me to say, is that for me just to pray through or pray about or you want me to? It's a word of knowledge. You know, it's, it's a knowledge you need in order to help people. But, but see, these gifts are easily counterfeited because they're vocal. People are persuasive. People who are too lazy to read a Bible, have a relationship with God, want to hear from God, they want to hear something good. Well, read your horoscope. If that's all you want. So, gifts in the church. He says, there are diversities of gifts, verse 4, for the same spirit. Differences of administrations. Amen. So, what that means is that there are different ways that people minister these gifts. See, you you can pray for the sick. And believe they'll recover, even if there's no evidence of recovery right there. That's an administration. It takes a little time. Then there are some times where the, the working of miracles will have you work with that person until that healing manifests. And the reason, the way you know it's a real gift, it remains. Now, it might waver a little bit when they get to thinking about it. Stop it, Chuck. You know what I'm saying? Stop it. You're healed. And so those gifts will operate like that, but the administration of it might take us into a place that's not cute. We all got to look cute when we heal people. I mean, I'll be trying. Why are you laughing at me, Miss Vicky? <laughs> ladies, this lady's all over the place. I mean, she couldn't be in for cute. No, I'm not in for cute necessarily, but you know, you want to be. You want to be dignified. You want to. But to get the anointing into people so they get healed, you might have to work a little bit. And see, I'm the last person that wants to perspire. You know what I'm saying? It's just not, not dignified. What you laughing at, Alicia? But anyway. You know what I'm saying? I mean, come on now. There's God trying to get your attention and get you to help people, and then there's you trying to be, hmm, and then there's them trying to not be embarrassed by the crowd watching. You see, you got a lot of stuff going on here. So it, it's a, it's administrations are different. Jesus spit and made mud. In order to expedite a healing. Now he could have got water. But pretty much the the minister doesn't want to break the flow of what the Holy Ghost wants to do. So he used spit. When God created us, what well, he formed us from the dust of the ground. So most people believe that means clay. How do you know God didn't spit in that clay and form us? Or as he was forming us, did that and smoothed your hair and your eyebrows back? Huh? Give me some more of it, God. Amen? 
He was recreating creation. Took dust and spit. That's how we got here. You shouldn't say that about God. Why not? It's in the Bible. He spit and made something for that man, made him some new eyeballs. I bet that man walked away seeing. Huh? That's all they cared about. So he said there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit, different administrations, but the same Lord. What we want is the results of God. We don't care how you do it. Jack Coe would get crippled people up in front of him and yank their arm. This arm would be sitting out here in the cast, and he'd take it and start yanking it. Oh! It better be God. That's all I can tell you. Huh? Oh, we could have some frightening things going on. Catherine Kuhlman worked by the word of knowledge. She could tell by the flow of the Holy Spirit what was happening by the word of knowledge god would tell her what he's doing in certain parts of that audience now why'd he have to do that don't people know no they don't and she didn't either until god informed her and he instructed her to tell the people why so they can have faith to receive you don't let God come in there and start moving and see this is a problem in some of our assemblies and meetings is that many people don't know what God's doing. They know they feel God. Huh? I feel God. You better find out what he's here for. Oh, you mean there's more? Absolutely. There's always more. He says, diversities of gifts, different administrations for the same Lord. Diversities of operations, but it's the same God what works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit everybody. So gifts of the Spirit, and this is where people get into trouble. They feel like God used them in a gift, which was a faith accident, amen, oftentimes. They feel like they're the possessor of it, or they're somehow special, or they're somehow, uh, this is something that's unique. But he says he gives them to everybody. So everybody is a candidate to be used by God in the gifts of the Spirit. People who you see sometimes prophesy a lot, it's through the exercise of the gift. They just practice more. Or I would say they lean into it more. Now, my concern for them is that one day they're good. If they don't add the rest of the believer's ministry to that, if they don't start healing people and getting authority over devils, that could dry up at any time. See, that's the least of your things you need to be trying to count on. But see, because it kind of flows easily through some people, they have a great capacity for pulling in certain things. You'll see them begin to rely on, and then you'll start to wonder, well, 
how can they help people who are sick? And so then they'll get this word of knowledge. Well, God's healing you. God's going to heal you. And he said, nah, there's no faith on that. See, you got to go back to the Bible and get you something else. Paul said, make full proof of your ministry. You got to have a healing anointing help. Most of what Jesus did was preach, teach, and heal. It say anything about him prophesying to people? He did all that in the preaching and the teaching. See, he had a vocal ministry, but it was also confirmed with science. You got to get the confirmed. You got to get that. See, that's the part where God proves who you are is, is, is in what you got is he confirms it. You preach it, he confirms it. You can't do it, he must do it, and he must honor what comes out of your mouth. So you're, those days are going to, that's going to dry up, folks. That, you know, prophecy and people want to hear prophecy every day, and and that's all they get. I was thinking about something one day and God God has released revelation that is um what do you call it what do they call that word? I forget it sometimes. It's not it's cumulative. Like it's consecutive and cumulative. And so if you look at church history there have been certain truth martin luther was the just shall live by faith he was salvation by faith not by works that was a new deal then then you move up to and then there's always been outpourings of of pentecost on people where they would get deep in the spirit and begin to pray in tongues didn't know what it was didn't know to get in the bible find out and then that would accumulate and then god would pour that out and so the turn of the century, we, we know Azusa Street and some Welsh revival and some other places, these revivals would pour out where people would get the fullness, what we call it the fullness of the Spirit. We call those people full gospel. Can you two girls behave back there, please? What's Shorty up to? <laughs> she your buddy? Okay. <laughs> she your buddy. Amen. But, but you know, these, and, and so every generation, is being held responsible to receive that revelation, perfect it, and then God will add more to it. So we're in the add to. So when Azusa Street broke out, it was the gifts of the Spirit, notably healing and the working of miracles. Because that's consistent with the ministry of Jesus. The Faith people came along with the word of faith message. That was after the great healing revival. So people began to understand how to use the word of God to get the things that they were seeing demonstrated in the meetings. And so now we're into prophetic, which if you got all of those, God wants to add to that a different unction on your words so that when you speak your words, he can adjust the temperature on them, adjust the volume, and speed up the time. Because that's what prophecy does. It's a time bomb that when you release it by faith with the unction, 
it can sit there you see how them people go with the grenade they pull a pin out of grenade and go high throw and go hide somewhere well that's what the prophetic word is it's set to go off at a certain time in a certain place and we're not in charge of that part of it only god is but god is testing us to see number one will we speak the word all the time or will we go to murmuring and carrying on that's why people are going through off and on all the time uh-huh let's see what we're going to do with that word you're going to keep his word in your mouth or you're going to say something else so once he can trust us to speak his word all the time he can start turning up the volume on it so things we used to get mad and frustrated at because it took too long now they're happening now more people are hearing and they're causing it to happen because they're trusting in the word that they speak. But see, the prophetic is going nowhere if they don't embrace the word of faith and take 100% everything that's taught in that realm with them. In Because the, if you don't have faith in what you're speaking, your word's no good. God's not going to give you much of it and he cannot confirm it. So each dispensation has to add, 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 and add. Well, I heard a woman that that has a a prophetic ministry, and she prophesies every day. And she said her children broke out with sickness, and she called a friend to pray for her. And she said her friend told her kids get sick. And I thought, where does she come from? She need to get some new friends, or she know I'm just murmuring that to myself. You know, I'm just saying, God help this girl, because this ain't right. Because she ain't going nowhere prophetically if she don't believe in divine health. And And about a month or two later, I see a video of hers. Guess who's talking to her? Lindsay Roberts. Now, if this girl receives what God wants her to receive from it, it'll work for her. If she thinks she's her gift is above Lindsay, she ain't going to get nothing. But I looked at that. I said, God, you're so wonderful. Lindsay has enough experience, enough creds, enough power, enough everything to never speak to somebody like her. Because that's what they do. They run with their crowd, honey. They don't run with people. that I said, this woman of faith with almost 50 years experience, her husband's got 50 plus what his dad did. They got a heritage in the healing and the word of God. And they want to pour into her, not the other way around. They made it seem like they were honoring her, and they were. You understand? It was genuine. That was the way God had them approach her. I said, but if she don't get what they have, this ministry is not going to go very far. Because, see, she's missing a few things. And God graciously brought it to her through somebody that she never would have contact with. Because these prophetic people hang together. They don't, and they really, a lot of them don't hang with nobody. You understand what I'm saying? They're out in the desert with desert skins and animal skins and all that crazy stuff. You know what I'm saying. And so I say that to say this, folks. Nobody's going to ever have a corner on anything in God. It, these gifts are divided to every man severally as God wills. And we're going to need each other and how to connect with each other, how to lock on and get what we need from one, humble ourselves to one another and work with one another 
so we can go forward as a body. So I'm out of time, all right? Well, Father, we thank you for what you have given us today. We thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for faith and for power. Lord, we lift you up. You're wonderful, God. You're so wonderful, Father. And your mercy endures forever. And we honor you and we thank you for it, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We bless you and we praise you. Father, we thank you for those of us who are in a a place where we, we just can just see the light for each day. We thank you for each day. And we thank you for that light, Father. We thank you for that assurance that you're a good God and your mercy endures forever. Thank you for your precious blood that pays for us to be healed and to stay healed and to resist disease. Rona, we resist you in the name of Jesus. You have nothing to do with us. We command you back where you came from in the name of Jesus. We don't receive you. We're not afraid of you. We have nothing to do with you. You stop by the power of the blood. We reverse your advance in this earth in the name of Jesus. We command you back to hell where you came from. And I thank you, Lord, to array people in an armor that resists this infection, that resists all symptoms, that will reverse in one day. Father, I thank you for all the people who were thought to be negative, to be positive in one day. And we thank you for that, Lord. And we bless you and we praise you. Say it after me. I don't have Rona. And Rona don't have me. I can't get Rona. And she can't get me. In Jesus' name, it is so decreed. It is so amen and amen and amen again in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise God.